Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Someone <laughs> killed Sam the Eagle? They put it back together. They got it back together. Mesdames et messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? Hello. Welcome home. Thank you. It feels like it's been forever since we talked. I know. You, you <laughs> missed a week. Weird. You missed a lot. I know. I know. It was very weird to be like, oh, there's like just a little intro to do this week. And then there was no Allison. And then I was sad. But well, we're back together. Yay! The band's getting back together <laughs> and everything's okay again. Yes. Phew. But yes, I'm back from California where I went to the World Olympic Collectors Fair in Long Beach and got to see a bunch of Olympian people from that who we met last year. So got to see and Pam and oh. Don Bigsby and Scott Reed had a great conversation with him. It was so nice. <laughs> well, I, I hope they're listening this week because I can say I missed them all and I was very sad not to be able to go with you and see all of them. Yes, and they so. missed you too. So, But I got to meet some new people too. So hopefully listener Brian is a new listener and other folks that handed my card too met some Olympians. That was cool. Yes, you did. Did. And I was very jealous. I know, I know. And you know what stinks? Oh, I should have grabbed it. John Neighbor, if you're listening, we are still working on those stupid puzzles. <laughs> He had these. Well, actually, no. I tell you, Ben figured out how to get one out with the help of something else, even though uh, he, John Neighbor had this little table and he was raising money for Olympians who need uh, some monetary relief, like if they'd been through a disaster or something where they could use some financial help. So he runs an organization for that and was taking donations. He had a whole bunch of autographed items that he was using to raise money for that. And he also had these little puzzles and he was like, if you give me a quarter, I'll give you, I'll give it back to you, but I'll give you this puzzle. And if you can get the quarter out of the puzzle, you can get a little prize. So the puzzle was this plastic thing with uh, a quarter in the middle and then like a, and a slot that the, obviously the quarter would come out of, but blocking the slot is this row of ball bearings. So you had to figure out how to move the ball bearings in a way that 
uh, will allow the quarter to come out. And we, we have spent hours doing this. And, and I know I would, it's simple. I know it's got to be. We, we're all like, it's a simple solution. We know. We just can't figure it out. Okay. Well, do you think you could apply some of the things you learned from the John Neighbor How to Swim videos that I know you <laughs> watched as a child? You know, do you I think know. any of those, those like skills sculling, would apply? Yes, yeah, sculling and moving, your, rotating your shoulders. Maybe. There's a little quote on the back that says something about when it comes to winning an Olympic gold medal, like no detail is too small. And you, and we're like, is you know, that, that's, a clue. that's a clue. It was a clue. We, and we're like, what detail, what detail are we talking about? So it's been a frustrating time with the puzzle, but we're working that's on like, it. He, it was funny like because we, we just stood there and stood there with the puzzle and like, we'd take it, would walk around and talk to people and then take a break by him again with a puzzle. And he finally said, you guys are working on this so hard. I will just give you the little prize. <laughs> You got a pity prize. Yeah, we did get a pity prize. <laughs> it's like a participation medal. It was I just know, like, well, I you know. tried. Yeah, we're trying. We tried hard. But that was cool. Got to meet Dick Fosbury. That was very cool. Did he jump over the table to no, say he hello? No, he did not jump over the table. But he was very excited about the podcast. So hopefully, oh. hopefully he will come on. And also Dawn Harper Nelson. And we had a great conversation with her. And hopefully she will come on the show. She was so cool. She she won the gold in Beijing for 100 meter hurdles. And then the silver in London. And then just missed the 2016 team by like a hundredth of a second. But she was so cool. And, um, and Did she jump over the table? No, no. All these people need to, they need to prove their uh, bona fides here. Yeah, I think a table is a little longer than a regular hurdle, though. You know, a little wider. It's a little harder to gauge the distance. But she actually just retired from uh, her competitive career. So that was very interesting as well. But hopefully, hopefully they'll come on. The One of the big things we did was we toured the LA Coliseum. That's where the uh, both LA games have been, the 1932 and the 1984, yep. and it'll also be the stadium for 2028. But I did not know this. They have since 1984. They have dug down into the stadium and like added more seats so that they could be closer to the field. But that means that the field is not big enough for a track now. So what they are going to do is put like a floor on top of this like seated uh, on top of the bottom. That's not going to make sense. But let's say you have a soccer field on the bottom level or a football field. That's what because USC plays football, all their football games there. So right now the football field is or the, the, the bottom floor is about the size of the football field plus add in some temporary luxury suites or something like that. So it's not as big as a 400-meter track, right, all the way around. Because okay. they just don't have room to put the track and then whatever excess side right. you, you need. Right, you need the yes. border or whatever. Right. So what they're going to do is make a level, maybe that's like 10, 15 rows up of seats, put a floor over that, and you'll have your track. Oh. And then underneath, where the real ground is, will be... The warm-up area. Oh. Yeah, so it'll be like a double-decker floor. 
Oh, that'll be interesting to see. It will see. be interesting. So it, it cuts out a little bit of seeding, but that's going to be fine. Right. But the, the Coliseum's actually going through some construction right now because they're putting in luxury boxes and I think media area. Mm-hmm. So they're losing some seating that way. But did you know, they still have original seats in there. They have some rows bench seating that is original. Oh, like you mean original? Like, like original, calls... original seating. Yes. And like really That's old seats because our tour guide said, um, and they, and they had some, uh, like the regular flip up seats, but they're old mm-hmm. and you know, usually every football game they'll get a call saying, Oh, Hey, my seat broke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Cause if they so were designed cool. then it's like how right. Disney world had to dig the deeper trench Yeah, for the, um, Pirates of the Caribbean because the boats were all getting stuck because American we're all too big too heavy oh my gosh (laughs) but yes so that's part of the renovation they'll have new seats in within a few years I believe and then of course they have all these plaques all over the place they have the champions from uh, 1932 they have the champions list from 1984 and um then what's very cool is that they lit the cauldron for us. I saw the picture of that. Now, what, what is that? Is that, that's not, what is that? What do you mean? That what was is lit? that? That was the cauldron. The but cauldron. It, so small. it is small. The whole stadium actually looks kind of small, especially from the outside because it's not that tall and it goes down into the ground anyway. Oh, okay. so the cauldron actually does look kind of small, but you're, th- you're yeah. talking about, you know, you're talking about a stadium from like the thirties. Yeah. So they didn't have these massive cauldron type structures or we have to build a new cauldron kind of thing. So I don't, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're planning to revise that or rebuild that at all, but it was really Maybe cool. Maybe they'll you... use the small original cauldron within a new because that tiny little thing's not going to fly on on HD TV. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't. I, it doesn't look like much. No, but it's still the flame. When I you know. see it, it, it is like it's still the flame, and they they light it occasionally. This was a special, a super special occasion that that had to be arranged very carefully to get mm. get the cauldron lit for us. But they they light it on like Memorial Day and Veterans Day, oh. and they light it. On, uh, well, they light it for the football games and then when they're playing at home, I know. And then they light it during the opening ceremonies of any Olympics. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Oh, that I like. I was about to make a joke like, did you have to get somebody a watch and a steak dinner (laughs) to get the flame? But now I feel bad because they do that nice thing about the opening ceremonies. That's really nice. I like that. So that was really because cool. that keeps that unity of we'll always be an Olympic right? city, right? But here's a here's something even cooler. So after we went to the Coliseum, we got to go to the LA84 Foundation, and for those of you who don't know, the LA84 Foundation was created with some of the surplus money that they had left over from Los Angeles 1984, and not only do they have a great library collection, which is why I love them, but they they give grants to different sports and especially youth sports organizations within the nine counties around that had hosted part of the 
that held events in, during the 84 games. So if you held an event during the games, you can apply for these grants. So they do a lot of funding for sports every year. And we had a little reception there. And they have also, they have a, a collectibles con uh, section. So I kept joking that all these people at the fair would stand around the stuff and go, got it, got it, got it, need it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have one. I need one of those. Is anyone looking? I'm just going to slip it into their pocket. <laughs> but Pam would never do that. No, no, Pam wouldn't. She never would. They had. They did. They do have a Sam the Eagle there. We're gonna Sam the Eagle is, means something for this week, but they had a Sam the Eagle there. One of the few Sam the Eagle costumes, and somebody tipped it and its head fell off. <gasps> Someone killed Sam the Eagle. They put it back together. They got it back together. But <laughs> oh, you must have been traumatized because I know how much you love Sam. I do, but it was okay. You know what? Speaking of traumatizing, this portion actually was traumatizing. They have this big lucite block with all the mascots in it. And they're all bunched in there like one of those claw machines that you can grab. But there's no claw. And, like, we felt really bad that they were all jumbled on top of each other. And the, the Schneemann, he's got his arm outreached like, help me get out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mascot smashed. prison. It is like, and but they didn't have Sue Harang or Bondabi in there yet. They had a yeah. special, yeah, I know, because they had a special display with the Pyeongchang medals and the torch and a Sue Harang and Bondabi mascot. And I also said that that was probably the holding pen for those guys. Yeah, they they're going right in the yeah, mascot prison. I know. It just it was really sad, and I get they were trying to display them in kind of a funky way but it i felt so bad <laughs> we're like can we free the mascots quick ben i'll, I'll make a i'll make a, a some noise I'll, I'll create a distraction you grab that fencing mask and sword fight everyone off then i'll run and grab the loose i think and we'll we'll take off that's it. we'll free the mascots <laughs> that's yeah, our, our our plan usually involved grabbing something else and wielding it to fight everyone off but that like was, one of the old torches yes yes but okay so the la84 foundation is actually in this historical house house complex thing so it was one of these houses that had several outbuildings mm -hmm. and in the courtyard they have an eternal olympic olympic flame and they there are they do. They do, too. And there are only two of these in existence. There's one in L.A. and one in Lausanne, where the IOC headquarters are. And so that is really cool because it's on this, like, double helix platform. So okay. it's like the 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 genes of a, an Olympian. Did it smell gene? funny? No. Because a lot of those eternal flames smell funny because of what they use to keep them eternal. No, I didn't notice. <laughs> you were like, too busy like, plotting I, the mascot to I know, escape. I know. <laughs> and then the other cool thing that I saw, and I'll I'll dig out some pictures, but they I, we went there late at night, so you can't see much. But Long Beach also is home to Marine Stadium, which held the rowing competition for 1932. So they still have this big long rowing facility oh. there. It's a big canal, and they had a little bit of seating. In a couple of areas on either side of it, but not a ton. But they, it still looks like you could have rowing there. It's oh, really cool. I wonder cool if looking. they're going to use it again. We'll have to take a look at the bid book yeah, now that yeah. you've 
been there. Right. And uh, they'll have some context. So, but it was fun to walk around and talk with everybody and get a whole bunch of stories. And we've got a couple of those stories here today. We, uh, two of the people I talked with were Joan and Sid Morantz, and they both live in the LA area and they are active within the Olympic collectors community. During the 1984 games, they both volunteered. And so Joan worked with the youth services and youth education for the LA 1984 organizing committee. And that kind of stuff is really cool because if you don't know, they also have an educational component that they create all this curriculum to give to teachers so that they can use the Olympics in their school lesson plans. So that's cool. That's what she worked on. And then Sid became one of the Sam the Eagle mascots. So I had to get that story. And it was it was pretty funny. They are two characters for sure. So take a listen. You developed curriculum for the LA 1980 Right, right. We were, I worked in youth services and we did, there was curriculum books from kindergarten through 12th grade okay. and in all subjects mm-hmm. and we would hold in services for the teachers oh wow okay and so we taught them how to teach the this curriculum and we gave the teachers the curriculum books okay specific well, for elementary junior high and high school so we held in services just constantly for uh-huh. teachers all over LA and then we sent the books all over the country. Oh wow. Any okay. teacher that requested it got a copy of all the books. Okay. So what kind of things were in there? Well there were things like um, when it came to math. Okay. It was teaching elementary school students um, adding and subtracting using um, items from the Olympics. Like if one country won two gold medals. Okay. You know, if the United States yeah. won two and Canada won three, how many gold medals were there in all? Okay. And then we would take that to the next level and use it for multiplication. Mm-hmm. And we'd use it for division, and we would use it for word problems, and we just kept developing it, the same basic concept all the okay. way through for different grade levels. And so everything having to do with the Olympics were used. The, the conversion of meters to yards okay. was oh, that's used. Really and um, the conversion, uh, well, at the time, most people didn't know anything about soccer okay. in, the, right. in yeah. the United States. Right. I mean, some of the kids were starting to play UISO. Right, right. But there but wasn't was very so... many. It was brand new. Mm-hmm. So it was teaching them about the game and then there was team handball was introduced then and right. nobody knew what right. team handball was so it was teaching all that but we were able to teach it through curriculum okay. as well as videos that were sent out and oh wow so you did like videotapes right so we did all kinds of things to try to engage the students mm-hmm. through curriculum to understand more about the Olympics did you ever meet anybody who did the curriculum, like had it in their school or taught it? There were pe- teachers that we would meet along the way because we would do things like we would hold band competitions. Really? And we, oh, we did all kinds of things for the youth of L.A. Wow. And we had cheerleading competitions and we had all kinds of competitions 
for all these schools. And so we really helped the youth of LA. Okay. And we gave away 100,000 tickets to the youth of LA to the games. Wow. And but they weren't just given. They had to win. They had mm -hmm. contests in their schools. Okay. They had all kinds of things that were done to get these tickets. So interesting. And it's it's one of those components that's part of every Olympic organizing committee that you don't necessarily see unless you experience it yourself Correct. You know to look. Correct. You wouldn't know. But the outreach is incredible. The outreach is amazing. And I'm sure over time it only got better. Right. Because right. I think LA was one of the first that did okay. the outreach. Okay. Oh, I could be wrong, but I believe they okay. might have been one of the first. Okay. So the department was called Youth Services. Okay. And so we did, we ran track meets for students, we ran um, soccer tournaments, volleyball tournaments, baseball tournaments. Wow. So all the sports that were involved in the games, we ran tournaments for. So the kids would get used to them, right? So they would understand the games. Yeah. So they understood the games when the... Right, when they came. When they came. Um, how long did you do this? I worked for the committee for a year and a half. Okay. Was it in the leading up to the games or early? Leading up to the games, okay. and then I worked for a couple months after. Okay. Fascinating. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Sydney, where are you? Sit. I'm the one with the podcast. We talked after the opening ceremony. Oh, I remember, yeah. Yes. But I found out that you were Sam the Eagle. Yeah. And I want to get that story. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> no, there were lots of Sam the Eagles. Right, right. But how did you get that gig? My wife got me the gig. <laughs> really? Okay. For youth services. Hmm. Oh, yeah. We, they... needed Sam, we needed Sam the Eagle to be like waste management. Okay. Had all these trash bins. Right. And so they donated, they donated them to the games. So we had students do art projects. These. They brought all like 300 trash bins okay. to the parking lots at the Coliseum that are on the west side that they're now converting to the George Lucas film thing. Oh, okay. And they had they brought schools, school, by school buses full of kids, and each school got a got a trash bin to paint. Oh, neat. And Sam appeared. Okay. That day I wrangled Sam. Okay. Sam, Sam always had a wrangler with him because kids would try to pull open his back or they, you know, and he made sure that Knock his you, head can't, off. you can't see real well right. in that thing. So he, and if you go to Disneyland, you see the same thing. They costume wrangler, you know, right. character wranglers, they call them. And that day I wrangled Dan Cruz. Not Dan, yeah, not Dan Cruz. Uh, Jorge, the other Jorge. Oh. Jorge J and Jorge, yeah. whoever the other Jorge was, was inside Sam. And when you when it, when he comes out of the van, you have to keep everybody away from there because it's an awkward looking thing. And they always want, they trained us at Disney. Disney the Disney really? the Disney people trained. They also had a book called On Being Sam. Really? Yeah, they're telling you what you can do and can't do. You, you can't you, you can't sit. You can't talk. You have to have your complete uniform on in you have to have public. Your complete uniform in public. And they they put you in front of a mirror. 
because what you think you're doing is not what the suit's doing. You're like in a, it's, it's like, well, they used to call those things Jaegers. Remember from Pacific Rim? You know, people get in the suits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to exaggerate your movements because if you're wiggling your fingers, Sam's doing nothing. Okay. So, so if you go to wave and you go like this, Sam's doing nothing. You have to wave Sam. Okay. So, and it was a heavy instrument. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the whole head, including the feathers and everything with his hat and all the red and the bow tie, fit on your shoulders with like a... Oh, like a harness thing? Like a, well, it wasn't shoulder. even a harness thing. It was more, more like a metal thing. You know, when those guys do backflips onto the things and they're caught by the other guy in the circus? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those okay. things, like a structure. Okay. And it came down to about here. So just below and, your and, waist? Or, well, about yeah, below my waist. Now, okay. the Fosbury, who's over there, was right. doing it was 64. Then, then it was uh, it was higher up. Then you wore his brown part, mm -hmm. and you stepped into that, and it w it had like Suspender like a singlet okay. sleeve. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. You your then you put on your arms. Okay. With your hands, then you put on your anklets. Okay. And then you got into a pair of shoes, and that was his claws. Okay. So you sort of walked around. And, it was and hot, you, and you could, Yeah, and, it was heavy, and you could see out from his hat. That's where you looked out from. Okay. And you could look down from his beak. Okay. And like a little kid at Huggy, you'd look down like this. But if he looked up, he couldn't see you because it was sort of an obscure thing. So we had reasonable visibility, but not great. And it was a heavy costume. And we had a break every so often. Mm -hmm. And um, the costumes... The, 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 the Los Angeles Olympic Committee had six costumes, of which usually one or two were always in refurbishment at Disney. Okay. Because the Disney Studios built them, too. And it was designed by a Disney designer. Um, I can't remember his name. And then Coca-Cola had a couple of their own dedicated, because they used them a lot, too, oh, right. at events. And one or two other sponsors had them. So it must have been about a dozen altogether. Okay. How often did you go out? I didn't go out very often. I was like a a, a, a a last call guy. But a few services did them. Once in a while I would do them, once in a while one of the, one of the staff would do them. Because I, I enjoyed it and they let me because I enjoyed it. <laughs> you did it at school. <laughs> yeah, I did it at school. And they had these extras and they and they promised me one. They said, after the Olympics are over, if we have extras, we'll give you one. Right. Well, the guy told me he had one for me. He was like in charge of the stores, you know, the warehouses. He called me up, he said, I promised it to you and I'll give it to you, but the Smithsonian called up and they want one. Um, it's your decision. So I said, give it to the Smithsonian. Wow. So my Sam's, my Sam's is in the Smithsonian. Holy cow. But they do have a full-blown, excellent, pretty mint Sam at the LA84 Foundation. Right. We were there the other night. Yeah, you so were there, so you the, saw yeah. the sand. Yeah, yeah. It was good. They tipped him. Yeah. Inadvertently, he got knocked over and sort of spread out. <laughs> they got him put back up. But. You know but, how to put him together. Yeah, but the thing was, was that that Sam has the rings on his hat. Okay. The, the AAF, the LA84 Foundation, is still allowed to use them but his hat has the LA84 logo on its hat. Oh, okay. They have two Sam costumes, and they use, use them to this day. Uh-huh. But he's not called, I don't think he's called Sam the Olympic Eagle anymore. I think he's just called Sam. 
the eagle. Because the rings are very important, very right, protected, yes, yes. 100% of that. Right. So, I mean, with, with us, like this show pin had to go through like four iterations before it was approved by the really? ILC. Yeah. Really? Because the rings have to be a certain, I mean, the exact configuration. The yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spacing is called graphic standards. Okay. And um, it can't be touching anything else. It has to be behind a background that's specified as certain colors only. Okay. Or silver and 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 and. Right. Yeah, they are very, very, very protective of their brand, and they're European, which is a good right. fact. I don't mean it in a bad way. So they're that much more. There's not a lot of hang loose at the IOC. Right. Very, very particular. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have standards. No, 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 no. Look, look. They're. I think the first or second most recognizable logo in the world. And their brand is clean. So they cannot be associated with anything that might diminish from their right. brand because it hurts their sponsors who pay right. hundreds of millions of dollars to be affiliated. And so they're very, very, very protective of, of their image and their brand. And they're the only sport that has what's called a clean field of play. You'll see no advertising right. anywhere on any of the venues. And if the venue has an advertising name already, like, um, what was the place called in um, Salt Lake City where they did all, the Delta Center. Right, they, covered up. They renamed it. Okay. It was called the, the Something Center. They did the same thing in London. They do it everywhere. Right, right. And they ta they blank off all, in Wimbledon they took off stuff. Wow. For the, for the tennis. Because I did notice, this year I really noticed it when I watched the Paralympics. I'm like, whoa, there's advertising. And you're just, it's, might be so, different. it's so, it's such a stark adjustment when you're like, wait, I just had like two weeks of no advertising, which is nice. Yeah, the uh, yeah the Olympics are a clean field of play. And there's a great art, there's a great book written by Michael Payne. Okay. Michael Payne was the head of licensing or something for the uh, For Atlanta? No, 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 he was for the IOC. He's okay. a Brit. And he wrote a book, and I can't remember the name of the book, and he has the greatest war stories in there about brand protection and everything. The team handball final in Atlanta, one of the two finalists had, had, had Gatorade at their, at their, Gatorade bottles at their, right. well, you got to have Powerade or nothing. Right, right. So the guy says, I am not going to make my players who are used to this change. He says, well, you have a choice. You either get rid of those Gatorade bottles or you forfeit the match. Okay. So that's the kind of clout they have. When, when, we, ha when we have an um, event that we sponsor mm -hmm. and we serve soft drinks or anything, they have to be Coca-Cola products. Even if the hotel doesn't use that stuff. They have to be Coke. Yeah, Now, here they sell Pepsi, but we're part of a larger show. Right. But, but if we were putting on the show ourselves, we would have to be called. Thank you so much, Joan and Sid. Would, hey, so would you give your Sand the Eagle to the Smithsonian? I, yeah. <laughs> I would too, because there wouldn't be any room in my apartment for it. I know, I would. So I did want to mention that if Sid sounds familiar to some of our listeners, we spoke to him from, well, you spoke to him. Right. When he went to the opening ceremonies at Pyeongchang. Yes. And so. he was just as charming telling the old <laughs> stories as he was. 
telling. But, you know, we talked about some of the educational stuff when we were going over the new norm. Oh, that's right. And just the uh, agenda 2020. So it was interesting to hear this is not new. No. I mean, that was part of the new norm that they were doing this back in 84 and wanting to, you know, even simplistic, you know, word problems. They wanted to make it part of the genetics of the town, of your city, of your school, that it just was in the air almost. Right. And that that still goes on today because, and I think some Olympic committees take it upon themselves to create materials too, because I think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I had found some stuff from the Canadian Olympic Committee before Pyeongchang that was educational materials Mm -hmm. as well. So there's a lot of cool stuff out there that these organizing committees and Olympic committees put some money into to help with education and, you know, help teachers develop some interesting lesson plans. And what's strange to me is you and I both, obviously, big Olympic fans, and I don't ever see this stuff. I know. You know, I was in the New York edu- uh, school system when Lake Placid happened. I don't remember anything right? being in our school. Yeah. So, hey, if you use this in your school, listeners, if you remember getting some of this stuff or you're a teacher who used it, let us know. Because we want to know, like, is this money well spent or time well spent? Yeah. You know, you develop all this stuff and it is really cool. But how far does it really reach? Yeah. You know, Atlanta 96, Mm -hmm. you know, those kids would remember that, you know, so that's here in the United States. Right. Anyway, (laughs) we've got, we've got some segments today. We've got, we're, we're getting to a stage where we need to have regular updates on the same thing every week. So we're going to have regular segments and this week we're introducing them all. So we've got our Tokyo 2020 update. So they released some more of the scheduling. So if you want Mm -hmm. to know when every single swim event is going to be, that came out this week. And more importantly, Japan has been suffering through a heat wave this summer that has killed at least 120 people. Holy cow. Yes. So there's a lot of concerns now about the safety of the athletes and the spectators at the games because they'll be the end of July, beginning of August. Right, right during their hot season. And Japan has a really hot season for summer. Exactly. And the IOC has endorsed a plan to adopt daylight savings time. Oh, so they have. But has Japan. So Japan had daylight savings time for a very short period after World War II. Okay. And then they dropped it because they didn't like it. So there's been some discussion of whether they're going to reintroduce it. And the IOC was like, yes, do this. I'm not quite sure how introducing daylight savings helps with the heat. I think it has to do with shifting events so that it's not quite so hot. So instead of at one o'clock, it's at two o'clock. So it's a little cooler. Yes. So the IOC is now pulling a Benjamin Franklin and saying Japan should adopt daylight savings. That's interesting. What what I'm curious about is why they even put the Summer Olympics during that time anyway, because 1964 was not during those Olympics at all. Right. And 70, was it 70, 68 was in uh, October. Right. 
and 72 was later, wasn't it? Right, the we're getting some, yeah, we're getting some. But, yeah, all the recent ones have been July, August. Right, so it, I, it doesn't make sense. I wonder why that is, yeah. Right, I don't know, that's a good question, why they don't do that. But I think, I think they should have taken that into consideration. You would think. Right? Hmm. Huh. I don't know, but it would have made more sense to have the game start maybe end of August and go into September. Or earlier, like May into June. Oh, yeah, yeah, May into June, because isn't that before Typhoon? Oh, right, right. I don't know. That's yeah. a, yeah. But, well, we'll keep So the they don't want in. people, yeah, yeah we had, so about. definitely the heat is going to be a story. Yes. In Tokyo. Yes. Speaking of Tokyo, I did talk to a guy who lives in Tokyo. He's an expat, so he's an American living in Tokyo. And one thing, he did kind of talk me through a map of where events are and versus oh. where, like, hotels would be. So he, I, I've, I've got to pull this out. We'll, we're working on a travel segment so we can and talk to some experts about how to travel to the games and all of that. But in America, at least, you have to buy your tickets through CoSport, Coastport also sells packages, and they sell very fancy packages. And they, uh, this gentleman said that they are putting their hotels in like the most expensive part of town, which is over by the Tokyo Tower, kind of in the center. And he said that to get to most of the venues, which are kind of on this harbor area, that's going to be at least a half an hour by train. Yeah, I mean, it looks, if you look on a map, stuff looks deceptively close to each other. So it's kind of closest to the stadium, but the stadium is a little further diagonally away from where this big cluster of venues is. Huh. So there. So I are... guess it depends on what events you're going to see. Right, right. So I'll, I'll wow. dig out a map and, and take a look, but I have written down some neighborhoods that he said were a little cheaper to look into. So that Good is... Good to know. Yes. Yeah. So that was interesting. Moving on to our Team Olympic Fever update. Tofu! Tofu! <laughs> it's tofu time! It's tofu time! Uh, so this week, Samantha Achterberg uh, competed in the Modern Pentathlon World Championships. And uh, she got into the final round, which was great for her. She had a bad day. She had a very bad day. So we both kind of tuned in and out of the live stream that they had online, which was really cool that the UIPM has their own little live stream of events. Because it wasn't on TV anyplace. What's not cool is that whenever they showed places, they'd only show the top 18. And that drove me nuts because I didn't know where Samantha was. So when I turned on the swimming and there was no real great way to rewind because when I turned on the swimming, we were in the middle of a race and at the end they were talking about the people who won and then they were like, and that's Samantha Ackerberg getting out of the pool. I'm like, what? Huh? I missed her? Okay. So then uh, she didn't do super well in the pool, from what I gather. She at least wasn't in the top 18. Don't know how she did in the fencing. But then I did see her on the horse. Because on the horse, they did reverse order. So she was second, the second competitor, which meant she was like second. She was in about 35th place at that point. 
Oh. And on the horse. Now, remember, you only get like 20 minutes with your horse, right? Yes. Her horse slipped (gasps) and fell. It's like back legs went out and it went sliding on its one hip. And Did she get hurt? She fell off. No, she fell off of it. And... But the horse got hurt a little bit, and because oh, no. it was limping, but it, it ended up being okay because it sounded like it went back into the rotation for the second. They had a little break after the first eighteen, and then the horses got to do it again with the next eighteen. So this poor horse slipped and was limping a little bit, and that was it. She was out. She was limp. They said they were like, "Oh, we don't know what happens here. This has never happened that we've seen." The announcer, oh, so she was, the announcers she was, were saying that. So then, because she was off the horse and the horse was injured, she couldn't get back on that horse. They can't give her a new horse. So she got what they, they said eliminated. She was DQ'd. Yeah. No, eliminated. Yeah, yeah. But they kept saying eliminated. And then there were other like they people. they killed her? No, they didn't kill her. She actually, because then I was wondering, like, does she, It does. what does eliminated mean? Does she get to do the laser round? And she actually tweeted back that she had, you know, she was having a bad day. And that's the way it goes. But... I'm in the laser run, and now I just got to chip away at people. So, um, she was not the only one having a bad day, because there were several people that disqualified because their horses refused to jump, like, four times. So, if your horse keeps refusing to jump over a thing, after a while, your show is over. So, when it came to the laser run, Samantha was finishing last, or was starting last, because the, the leader at the after the first three events starts first, and then everybody starts right. so many seconds behind is the equivalent of how many points they are behind. So, But they capped that at like two minutes, because there were several people starting at two minutes behind. And those people on the start list had asterisks by their name and I didn't know what that meant but then because again during the laser run they only talked about the leaders and they'd only show the leaders shooting or they showed the shooting up to a certain point so it'd be like when you would watch biathlon and the screen pops up on the on the bottom right that shows each target and shows everyone shooting at the same time yes so that would be up for a little while, but they wouldn't have it up for everybody. So I never saw how she shot, never saw how she did. She finished, and I thought she finished in, like, 29th place, but she must have had more time added to her somewhere along the way because she kept dropping down, and her finish time was near the bottom again. So she finished in one 35th or 36th place, which oh, is rough, but, you know, you're having a bad day. You have a bad day sometimes. It happens. And she kept a good attitude, so I'm proud of her for that. But she was ranked 77th in the world, and she made it into the finals. So, Which is fantastic. Fantastic, and hopefully that's going to get her ranking up. So yes. very proud of you, Sam. Yes, she and she came back. She you did know, come she back. She kept going. Yes. So that's the, that's the key in these that kind the of key. things. That is the key because... in these things. And, you know, now I'm worried about the horse. Horse is okay. Okay. Yeah, the horse they didn't they didn't say anything about it, but the horse it, it kinda like walked it off, basically. It was like if you twisted your ankle and you walked it off a little bit. Okay. Well so, I, I I hope her horse is okay. But I mean my first notice my first instinct was did Sam get hurt? <laughs> so I did worry about her first, but But the competition it was really cool for the laser run because the woman who won was Anastasia Prokopenko 
from Belarus, she started in 12th place. So she <gasps> moved from 12th to 1st. The second, the silver medalist was um, Annika Schloy, and she had started in 6th position and moved up to 2nd. And then the woman who started in 1st was uh, Marie Orteza from France, and she ended up in 3rd place. And they gave huh. everyone, they got their medals, they got a nice little trophy, and they also got a huge sombrero, because they were in Mexico City. <laughs> it was so funny. So, <laughs> along with, who was it who got the crystal ball last week? Oh, um, uh, Morgan, Morgan Hurd. Morgan Hurd. So you have a crystal ball for your fancy dinner, and your sombrero for, you know, Taco <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> It's like party supplies for I the know. athletes. I know. And, and, and of course, the first thing I thought was, how are they going to get that stuff home? <laughs> Did you Overweight luggage. Yeah, right. Oh, but that's not the only exciting thing from Tofu. What What do you, What else? Uh, Sarah Gaskin and USA and Handball. Qualified. On its way to the Pan Am Games. Woo! And both, both the men and the women's U.S. teams. Yes. One in their preliminary round, so they are off to the Pan Am Games, which is first step to qualifying for the Olympics. Right. So they have a chance. They're they they're chance. made the first step, so we're excited, and they were yeah. thrilled, and it was fun to watch yeah. them. And it was. I did watch some of that game, mm-hmm. and I did get very nervous, of course. Right. right. But they really <sighs> pulled through in the second game. The first game was a, a nail biter because they only won by three goals. So even if like. If they lost the second game, they had to lose by less than three goals. And handles because it's, it's a yeah, cumulative it's score. Away. It's yeah, a it's weird cumulative. cumulative score. It doesn't, yeah. Right. So, but yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. Was, yeah. So that was a nice And your, your tofu for the pot? Claire Egan has been added as a voting member of the executive board for the International Biathlon Union. So this is super exciting because... The executive board hadn't had an athlete representative, and so they've been having their Congress this week, so it's a big meeting where they talk about changes going on and how their 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 governing committee is going to work, or their governance is going to work, and so they've decided to add an athlete voice to their board, and because Claire is the chair of the athletes committee, she is on the board now, which is Excellent. super exciting. Yeah, and, and they need some help. Yes, they do. They yeah. still have they still have problems. They have a new president now, so maybe that will be a change for the better. But we shall. I'm I'm not holding my breath to be honest. Yeah. That well, change is good slow. Good luck, Claire. Good luck, Claire. That's that's going to be a a right. tough road to hoe, right? So to speak. Okay. Moving on. Yes, we have other Olympic news. So, Calgary 2026 released its bid book information, and the city council voted to move forward with their bid which okay this bid has the most canadian name ever so right on the cover of the um the landing page of their website mm-hmm. it says but first a plan there's even a <laughs> there's even a comma <laughs> i love canadian bids <laughs> I want Canada to bid for every Olympics just so I can see their bid books because they're fantastic. They put a comma, but first a plan. So are they going to take the, the IOC people to, you know, Tim Hortons now? 
Wouldn't that be I mean, nice? How, <laughs> instead, how much more instead, Canadian can you instead get? Of, instead of steak and a watch, coffee and a donut? Yeah, and the one and with the crawler. maple leaves on it. <laughs> the donut with the maple leaf sprinkles? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really That'd good. Yeah, yeah. good. I like a good crawler from Timmy Ho-Ho's. See, now you're mixing countries. Yeah, but, but you know, French, official language. True. So... But uh, I, th- I believe the city is going to vote, or the, the citizens are going to have a vote in November. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay. That's kind of the last step, but that was weird because at like the end of October, the IOC is going to invite the bid cities to formally participate. So if they extend the invitation to Calgary, and then the citizens turn around and say, no, then they're... I don't know. I know, but we're still RSVP doing, yeah. with regrets. We cannot attend. Oh, that would be sad. But I think Stockholm is still in it, and Italy's still trying my, to put something together. My Tri City Italian bid still Hopefully. going. Hopefully, so we shall see. But yeah, it's been an exciting couple of weeks in Olympic news. So that's what we get. You miss a week. You miss a lot. Week. That's right. And you know what else we've missed? We've got a lot of listener. Listener feedback. Listener. He has, we some he has been very mail. remiss <laughs> in sharing some of our, our listener mail. We why, have, and we are sorry. We apologize. Why are you that. laughing at me? I'm, I'm laughing at the listener's email because it was hilarious. It was. Okay, so listener Brian, you made my day. Actually, I was sharing this with everyone in my house, and they didn't understand why I was laughing so hard. So we all know my love for... Ted Liggity. Ted, Ted Liggity, hot diggity. And listener Brian suggested that if Ted Liggity does commentary for NBC, his segment should be called Liggity Split. Which I love. I think that's genius. My God. And I so hope that happens <laughs> because every time it comes on, you know what I will do. I will yell at the TV, hot diggity. We should tape that. We should make a video of you yelling hot diggity in front <laughs> can be your ringtone ted liggity hot diggity okay and then the other one we got was after our synchronized swimming episode with jacqueline simino uh listener beth uh, had heard christine lagarde who is the managing director of the international monetary fund on wait wait don't tell me it was the july um 14th episode and apparently christine lagarde was a synchronized swimmer at one point in her life, on the national team of France. Yes, that was amazing. And I, I listened to that. And it was so, like, they got to the good stuff. And they couldn't stay on. They were talking about international lending and what qualifies different lending rates. And then Peter Sagal whips out this information of, oh, yeah, and you were a synchronized swimmer. And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, of course, this was just part of my life. Right. And she was very, and she had some interesting information on leg hair. Yes. That just, synchronized her. that just blew my mind. So we'll put a link to the show notes and you should listen to it because this little detail, which I, I wonder if it's still true. I do too. I do too. Can, I was, can we ask, can we ask Jacqueline or is that creepy? I don't know. We can try. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask Jacqueline about her leg hair. Okay, I'll do it because she's your friend and I'll be like the other creepy guy, so it'll be okay. 
But yeah, you got to take a listen to Christine Lagarde because she was just so wonderfully French about the whole thing. And it's great. Made me yet again love synchronized swimming even more. So we love hearing from everybody. And we promise not to wait so long next time. So I guess that wraps up another day, another week, another episode here on Olympic Fever. Yes, um, indeed. We do love hearing from you. So even if it takes us a while to get back. We'll, we'll do better. <laughs> yeah, we will do better. But you can always email us at info at olimfever.com. Uh, we love hearing from you there. We have a Facebook page. And you can also send us a, or give us a call on our voicemail line, which is 530-70-FEVER. And we are Fever on the Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And we're on there regularly. So check us out. And I don't know. Are we starting a Facebook group? Should we start a Facebook group? So everyone That's can a question chat. for... Yeah. yeah. We'll put a poll up on Let our Facebook know. page. Should we start a Facebook group so y'all can chat with each other? Because you guys come up with the best stuff, and I think that everyone should be sharing. But yes, if you want a group, we can make that happen. And have a Hot lot more... diggity. Yeah, and have a lot more fun. <laughs> we need like a Ted Liggity Memorial Award or something like that. He's not dead! <laughs> the Ted Liggity Honorary mascot is he could he be our honorary mascot no because because theodore Patton is our oh honorary. that is right that's right okay we'll work ted liggity in there somehow i know hot diggity <laughs> all right i think that will wrap us up for another episode so thank you again for listening and until next week keep the flame alive we love to hear from you email us at info at olimfever.com or leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. You can also interact with us on social. We're Fever on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Ted Liggity, hot diggity.